Pandemonium reigns. Yo, welcome to Pandemonium reigns. I'm Dan. He's Mike. What up? What up? What's happening, my peoples? Welcome to episode three, y'all. Episode three of Pandemonium Reigns. Man, we got some good stuff today. A lot has happened in Volunteer World. Uh, we've got we're talking Lynn J. Dixon. We're talking true freshman receivers. What in the world is going on with Jimmy Callaway? Give me a national champion outside of some of the big names. We're going to be talking tight end stats and doing a little bit of uh, dreaming and wishing. Who's a player that we would pull from back in the old days, from the 2010s, and add to this team? uh now but man let's 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 before we jump in the show man mike how's your, how's your week you having a good week everything good it's been a good week it's been a fast week F- fastest summer of all time man it has been football a fast is summer. on us football, football is on us is upon us you mentioned earlier that we are four weeks from today y'all four weeks from today um you know what i was actually talking to somebody this week mike uh about the podcast and they were like so you guys only talk uh, Tennessee. No, we don't. We mainly talk uh, Tennessee. Uh, so we've got something a little bit in there in the show today, something outside of Tennessee, but we're mainly Vols. That's who we are. Uh, so with that said, big news coming out of Knoxville this week uh, for our running back stable, Lynn J. Dixon. And I remember his recruitment. Uh, he had narrowed it down, I believe. I don't remember who the three were, but it was it was us, Clemson, and somebody. Um, but he chose Clemson. And uh, spends four years, if I remember right, four years at Clemson uh, from 2018 to 2021. Transfers to West Virginia for the spring, and now he is in uh, Knoxville. Mike, talk to me. What does Lin J bring to our running back stable? Man, if if Lin J has been working and is in is in anything close to game shape, and if he can somehow quickly understand the system, his playbook, what are his responsibilities. He can bring a lot. He can bring a lot to this room. Um, some people, even despite the Lenith Whitehead injury, uh, so I've, I've heard some people that still lack the depth and the pieces in that Tennessee running back room. I'm a little bit – it really scared me. It kind of woke me up, I feel like, when Whitehead went down, especially since it was before practices even started. You know, it wasn't even a contact thing. wasn't a practice or a game injury. It felt like that really opened my eyes that kind of how limited we were, but I have heard some that really liked that room before the addition of Lin Jay. Uh, but man, if he is someone that can, like I said, if he's in shape, if he's anywhere mm-hmm. close to game shape, if he's, yeah. if he's anywhere near ready, that could be a big addition uh, specifically, you know, in past pro situations. Uh, I mean, we already have talked about two freshmen and Dylan Sampson and our boy, Justin, uh, who we know how difficult it is for freshmen to pick up pass blocking responsibilities at, at the running back position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if he can do that, if he can, if he can do that, if he can get anywhere near the numbers that he reached at his first seasons at Clemson, yeah, could really, it could really mean a lot for Tennessee in the running back position and potentially open up new, new heights for the offense that we're about to have this year. Yeah, I agree. I think essentially what he brings most is competition to that position group. Um, he is a guy with experience. Uh, he's got stats going back to uh, 2018. Now, these stats, uh, we're going to recap here in just a second. They don't jump off the page at you, uh, but he does come from a winning program, which I like. Uh, and uh, most importantly, I just think he brings competition to that to that room, to that, to that stable. And like you mentioned, the whitehead injury. I mean, you and I were talking before the show. There is serious potential for him to be the number two back. 
Yeah. That door's open if he if he steps in and takes it. I mean, uh, it, it really could be a wake-up call for some of those young guys. You know, here they were Absolutely. with their boys in the room, and a guy goes down, and all of a sudden there's a new guy in the room. Absolutely. Maybe that's a wake-up call. You know, are we not good enough for you? I've heard people ask speculative questions like that. You know, are we not good enough? You, you got to bring in another guy. Maybe it's a wake-up call for some of those guys and really pushes them to, to reach something further within themselves. Absolutely. Uh, football is a game about um, competition breeds success. So we want we want competition there. Um, and for our maybe people out there who are listening, which we know we have you now, um, but you, you're not as knowledgeable in football. And that's OK. We're going to get you up to speed. Uh, learning pass protection for a running back is one of the more complex things that a running back has to do or learn at that position. If he can learn that. Um, I think he's going to see um, a, a decent amount of snaps on the field, uh, possibly later in the season since he's getting here so late. Uh, but who knows? There's some serious potential there. Well, let's run through his stats. Let's take just a minute or two here and run through some Lynn J. Dixon stats. Uh, true freshman year, 62 attempts, 547 yards, five scores uh, with a long run of, of, of 65 so, again, nothing there that just kind of jumps off the page, but what sticks out to me is that 8.8 .8 yards per uh, yards per attempt, yards per carry. I like that a lot. That's stout, and, you know, even, even if that's, you know, with it being a true freshman 2018, maybe it's garbage time that he picks up, or maybe it's when Clemson builds a lead because they obviously had a, they had a team full of dudes in 2018. Um, but, I mean, 8.8 .8 is, is almost silly for running back. I mean, yeah. You know, that probably does speak to somewhat the competition, the ACC. And, um, you know, if you racked up 547 as far as yardage, you know, that's not all garbage time. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's really strong. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that you just don't see 8.8 .8 very often. Right. Uh, the, the, the first thing I did when I saw that he had committed, matter of fact, when you told me that he committed, I, was, I went to YouTube and I wanted to see his highlights. And in this 2018 year, uh, he, he took snaps in the playoff. Um, so not all these on all these plays were garbage time. Uh, he, he saw some serious attempts uh, in that true freshman, true freshman year. He gets a bump in attempts in 2019. He goes from 62 to 104 attempts. That's good. Uh, but only 635 yards total, dropping down to a 6.1 average, uh, six touchdowns. I like that he got more attempts. I don't love that he didn't really produce there. There's not a big jump between 547 and 635. Yeah, not even a hundred yard jump, um, which is crazy because that six point one is nice as well, mm -hmm. and and probably even more speaks to how ridiculous you know an average like eight point eight is for running back. But mm -hmm. yeah, six thirty five in his sophomore year, um, and and not to jump ahead, but it really kind of brings the question to me is what happened after that? Yeah, um, because his attempts, the number of games that he was featured in, really plummeted from there. I mean, he dropped down. 60 carries to 2020 yeah. and it looks like he played in 10 games in 2020 so even though that was a shortened season you know yeah. it doesn't look like his his action was limited that much by that alone um and then it just fell off the map in 2021 you know I'm not quite sure what happened there I've heard some mention you know the word baggage when talking about Linjay. that's something that he may have to uh or you know learn how to manage and mm -hmm. and realize what an opportunity he has here Mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, the production really gets kind of kind of fishy after that because it just really falls off from that 62 to 104 carries and then down to 40 the next year, basically. Yeah, 2020 and 21 were not so good for him. To me, if we were just basing what's going on based off of his statistics, something was going on. 
uh, there's there's just a significant drop there, and you can't convince me that Will Shipley was just that good in 21. Um, yeah, very serviceable. I think he's got uh, room to get better. If I'm a Clemson fan, I like Will Shipley, but I don't think he was just outstanding enough to keep Lin Jay off the field. So I'm thinking something there. Uh, and if Swain uses the word baggage, I think Swain is a very creditable uh, source. Something's going on. Something's going on. Something's but nothing, up. Yes, uh, but needless to say, uh, excited to have him uh, in Tennessee Orange. Again, think he will bring competition to that uh, to that stable. Let's shift gears a little bit. Let's talk receivers. Uh, lots going on um, in the receiver world. Some buzz, some good things, some bad things. Let's talk something exciting just here for a second. Mike, I'm going to throw some stuff at you. Let's talk two receivers, okay? Let's do let's it. T- let's talk Squirrel Wright, White and uh, Caleb Wedd. And I am not even going to try to uh, pronounce, enunciate Squirrel's real first name. Um, it's like he's got three of them or something anyway. Um, <laughs> very different receivers, okay? Um, but let me just throw some stuff at you and, and let you kind of rapid fire here. Which which of these two true receivers, uh, and there's a potential for it to be one outside of these guys, but let's just, for the sake of conversation, these two, Squirrel White and Caleb Webb, uh, which of these is going to see the field first, do you think, uh, for a game night? I think it's going to be Squirrel White, man. Um, just in listening to Tennessee coverage, you know, daily shows and things like that this week, there's already been talk about things like packages for Squirrel White. Um, people were kind of kind of laughing at Hopple's remark in the, after the first practice where he said he's not slow at what an understatement that was. <laughs> Um, that's so funny to me that he would just say he's not slow or lead off with that when asked about him. But, you know, if he's someone as a freshman that, that we're talking about getting a package in for, mm-hmm. um, I think it's going to be him. You yeah. know, I think Caleb is, is potentially a more traditional top receiver. Yeah. Whereas squirrels kind of in this new age, there's definitely older age guys, examples of him, uh, of, you know, of smaller receivers, just straight up speed guys. But I mean, if he's got the speed that they're talking about, um, you know, where he's not a traditional guy that's going to have to learn how to run all the routes and do all the things, and he's got a package built in for him or built in ahead of time. Mm-hmm. I can't go apart from Squirrel on that one. That's hey, that's fair enough. You so you you kind of answered this next question then, uh, maybe not. Well, who knows? We'll see. Who's going to score first? Who's going to who's going to in, uh, in, enter into the checkerboard first, Caleb or Squirrel? And yeah, I would say Squirrel again. Um, I really want to play devil's advocate there and go with Caleb because. You know, maybe he maybe he gets in at a regular receiver position outside of a package built in for a guy, mm-hmm. and you know, say we build a lead against Ball State or or something like that happens, and he gets an opportunity. But with Squirrel, you know, there's talk of him getting punt return or kick return opportunities. How can you get the ball in the guy's hands? And mm-hmm. when a guy gets that kind of talk in his first week of yeah. college practice, I just think the uh, the ceiling is high, and I think the opportunities will be more substantial than they will for Caleb early on. So mm-hmm. I'm willing to squirrel there again. Yeah. So squirrel is a very different receiver for us. Um, he comes in at 5'10", a buck 60. So he's not very big, uh, but they obviously like his speed and the shiftiness. How do you think um, White compares to, say, a Velas Jones? Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that always kind of snuck up on me is that Velas was not a little guy. Um, he yeah. was both taller and thicker than I than I thought he was, and especially when like pro day and combine time count uh, came around, 
and you see them out there, you know how they dress for the, for those events. And they're down to just like their drawers. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Valus was kind of chiseled and he was pretty thick and he was not a short little guy. Not that five ten is remarkably short, but you know, corners are getting taller at the same time. Yes, they are. Um, but the thing about it is does squirrel have that side to side agility that Valus had because it yeah. was special. Yeah. Um, and we didn't see it, you know, early and often it was later on for Valus, both in the 2020 and then a little later than it probably should have been in the 21 season. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if he can develop that side to side, or if he has that, uh, that God gift ability, then he certainly could look a lot like Valus, I think down the road. Yeah. Um, he'll definitely have to put on some weight to reach that, to reach that territory. But yeah. man, Valus's agility and his side to side ability was, was really special. Absolutely. So how do how would you how would you, who's somebody uh, whether Tennessee or another player who who's somebody you might want to compare him to what or or use somebody to compare to give me a ceiling on Squirrel White and that's a great question and this is where it's it's just really evident that you know Tennessee doesn't have a lot of examples like him um, just in terms of when you say things like you know putting in a package for him and mm -hmm. and just how can you get him the ball. That takes my mind to Cordero Patterson, but I'm by no means hey, hey, giving hey. him that, you know, comparison this early. Yeah. Um, I haven't even seen film on the guy other than his high school film. There's been no practice video or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being that size, that small, I would say the ultimate ceiling would be maybe even something like a Percy Carbon or somebody like that. But that's, again, Woo! not a comparison I would make yeah. right now. Yeah. Uh, that's just an excellent question. I'd love to hear I'd love to hear you opine on that one. Well, I cheated while you're talking, um, and my mind goes to Rondell Moore um, out of out of Purdue, and um, Rondell uh, listed when he was at Purdue five nine one eighty. So, oh yeah, you know, Squirrel's going to get into our college program, our 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 our, our weights program, and he's going to put on some weight. Uh, if he doesn't, good gosh, he should. Yes. Uh, um, but looking at a, a season snapshot for Rondell Moore, just give me an over-under real quick, and, and we'll move on for the conversation. Rondell, in one season, I'm not real sure this what season this was. Uh, okay, uh, 2019, uh, 35 catches, 270 yards, no scores. You think, you think this year, 2021, 270 is a realistic number for somebody like a Squirrel White? Let's see, 270 – it is a realistic number um, for that to happen that for, for 270 to happen for a guy like squirrel wide, a true freshman, that's 160. And, and, you know, hopefully he's already up from that a little bit being with mm -hmm. the program, just as long as he's been, mm -hmm. but for him to reach that number either tells me that we have put up yet another record number of yards. We're scoring the ball at will mm -hmm. um, or, you're telling me that Jalen Hyatt might not live up to some of those expectations that, that we've seen for him and maybe squirrels getting some of his opportunities. Yeah. Um, because you know, that's not a huge number Two seventy. It's not a huge number, but there's just going to be several guys. I think that get touches. Um, so I think the packages with squirrel or what he puts on film would have to be absolutely remarkable for him to get there Yeah, with the, as many guys as we have to get the yeah. ball to. Um, or somebody would have to probably not live up to on their end uh, and squirrel step into their place. Yeah. Tell me this. I agree or disagree. Uh, probably the best case scenario is he hits somewhere around 180 to 200 yards on the year and it comes in garbage time. 
Absolutely. I think that what that means is kind of like what you said is Hyatt is, is doing what he's supposed to be doing. Tillman is repeating things from last year. Our tight ends are stepping up. Um, I think that's probably best case scenario for a guy like Squirrel, especially going into uh, this conference at a buck 60. Yeah. You want, you, you definitely want him to get an experience and get game reps Yeah, and to let him adjust to the speed because He's probably going to go from being one of the absolute fastest guys on the field um, in high school ball in Alabama to yeah. a lot faster guys that he's going to be lining up against. Definitely yeah. 100% a lot bigger and stronger guys that he's going to be lining up against. So yeah. I hope he gets the reps. Absolutely. I hope it's in garbage time. Yeah. And then he you know, steps into a role to where he can play meaningful snaps later in the season as we go. Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a touch or two uh, Thursday um, four Thursday nights uh, when we uh, host Ball State. Hey, let's talk about receivers a little bit more, but shifting gears um, and changing subjects, I guess, or personas. Uh, Jimmy Calloway. Um, not good news coming out on Jimmy Calloway. What the heck is going on with Jimmy Calloway? Talk to me, bro. And so I made the point to listen to – as much as many comments as I can, as many press conferences or press opportunities as I can this week, um, because it's such an exciting time. I mean, we used to wait all summer, all year for this time of year. Baseball uh, being good at Tennessee has really sped that process up. So yeah. we're not quite as desperate for, you know, for information and everything like that. Mm-hmm. All that aside, uh, you know, about a week ago or, or last weekend, rather, I'm listening to the coaches' remarks. You've got Hopple, you've got Golish, and you've got Tim Banks. And, you know, it's a lot of generic stuff. It's a lot of coach speak. Uh, Tim Banks was even like, you know, this may come across as coach speak in a lot of his answers, and he would end up giving a, a good answer. Yeah. All of that to say, Golish has asked about the young receivers, kind of like we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then some of the guys that are coming back as well. And, I mean, he is as complimentary and kind of coach speaky as you could want to be, talking about Hyatt, talking about Jimmy, uh, sorry, Jalen Hyatt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talking about Squirrel Watt, talking about Chaz Nimrod, someone that I thought would take definitely a couple years to break out or even make an impact. Yeah. And then he gets to Jimmy Callaway and he lets loose. This is to paraphrase what he said. Jimmy Callaway has been super inconsistent the entire time that we've been here. Only to, we're entering year two of that time frame, not like it's been a long time, but he followed that up with he's struggled to be the same dude day in and day out. And part of me really likes that answer because. If, if I'm the guy that receives that remark, I mean, you've lit my world on fire, dude. Absolutely. I'm not going to let you – I'm not going to give you any reason to say anything like that again. Yeah. Uh, and thinking back to Jimmy Callaway, how excited I was when Tennessee signed him, uh, how excited I was when he took that little screen to the house at, against Pittsburgh last year. I mean, yeah, dude, I forgot all about that stuff because he just – he's fallen off completely. Right. But, I mean, Golish just let it rip and – I don't know what to make of it. I mean, is he challenging the guy? I certainly want to think so because that's really the only good scenario. Um, but, I mean, what's your take on that? That's crazy, that, just how honest he was with that. Well, uh, so for our listeners who don't know, I, I have an opportunity to serve as one of the coaches uh, at the local high school here. I'm the character coach, which is a glorified way of saying I'm the chaplain. Uh, but anyway, I get to do uh, and be a lot of uh, a part of a, a lot of different things, um, and I get to really pay attention to the way coaches talk about players. Um, and having played as well, I would like to think that as Golish calling him to the carpet, 
saying it's it's basically like now or never, dude. You you're yeah. you're here, and then sometimes you're not. Like what's what's it gonna be? We need the same dude to show up every single day. Yeah, and kind of like what you're saying. Uh, if I'm Jimmy Callaway, like that, I'm hoping that lots of fire in my rear end and I get stuff together. Um, you know, heaven forbid it's, 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 um, you know, family related, or maybe there's something going on at home, who knows. Um, but assuming none of those things are the thing and it's just strictly about football, like, come on, man, like we need you. Like you were, Truly. I, I feel like we didn't see you, um, after a, um, failed conversion against Florida. Um, need you to step up, but if I'm, listen, there, I know there's a bunch of haters out there um, who have attacked Golish for that remark. Listen, I like it. Call him Me to the too. carpet. Uh, call him to the carpet. Uh, bring out the best in him. If uh, Who are we to pretend as fans that we know Callaway better than, than one of these coaches? So Absolutely. I, I'm going to trust this staff. Um, you know, we hear a lot about the staff, how they're very family-oriented. So, you know, sometimes – Love is tough love. So hey, yeah. call him to the carpet. But this raises the question. Let's let's talk hypothetical for a second. How much longer is he going to be with us? Yeah, I mean, best case, this does wake him up. And that's certainly what I'm hoping for. And don't get me wrong, I know how to respond to a moment ago about Golish's remark. I love the honesty. And the way it came across to me was that he was challenging his guy. So yeah. that's certainly the way I want to take it. You know, I don't think any different of Golish for his remark. It's disappointing kind of that he had to make it. Um, but, I mean, he, he answered honestly. That's yeah. what I want to hear yeah. if I'm listening or if I'm in the media. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think there's just – I think there's two simple scenarios, and I think that he wakes up, he finishes his career at Tennessee. He's got a really high ceiling, I think. I mean, Absolutely. he really does. He's, he's a fast kid. He's, he's got all kinds of ability. But he's either going to finish his career at Tennessee or if we get to even the Florida game, you know, week four – a third of the way through the season, his production's not up. If he's not answering the bell, I would say he's in the portal before halfway the halfway point of the season would be uh, my guess. Yeah, I would agree to that. And this is uh, for those listening. This is not a shot at at Callaway's character or anything. Um, we just live in a transfer portal world, um, and this is typically the moves that kids are making. So uh, we want him to be volunteer. We want him to, to 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 get it together. We want, hey man. Go out there and 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 beat Tillman for I mean do it yeah do the I thing. mean yeah I don't want you to fail I hope I want you to be woken up by this um, you know it is a little embarrassing of a remark all honesty yeah but but I'm hoping that it's just a call out that was needed and and it certainly wakes him up is my hope Rooting for the guy for sure absolutely let's go Jimmy Callaway. Hey, let's uh, let's shift gears. We're going to jump in in a second to some stat projection proje- words. Stat projections, uh, words are hard, my man. Um, yes, they are. But before we do, like I said, I'm talking to somebody this week. He said, "So you guys only talk Tennessee? No, we don't. We talk we talk the entire college football world." And um, I want to talk just for a second here. I saw uh, a question posed or proposed on social media. I think it was Instagram. Couldn't tell you what account. Uh, but I thought it raised an interesting question, uh, good for conversation. Mike, give me a national champion not named Alabama, Georgia, or Ohio State. Well, if I have to go with my most trusted answer, um, I'm going to speculate on a couple here in a minute. But if I have to go with my most trusted answer, I'm going to roll with one of the hot takes that we asked for and that we received, and that would be Clemson wins the title in 2022. 
Um, some teams came to mind for me. Uh, you know, I'm just going to be truthfully honest. It was the teams that come to mind are USC because mm-hmm. of all the buzz, the Addison mm-hmm. and the Caleb Will- Williams transfer. Yeah. Um, but I just don't trust them yet. Yeah. I'm sorry, but they're going to have to prove it. It's kind of like Texas. You know, if Texas had added Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison, they're going to have to prove it to me before I believe it. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Absolutely. I'm just not there. Yeah. I'm just not there with USC yet. I, I think they'll have a fantastic year. They should run away with the back 12. I just don't think they could hold up for four quarters against any of those big three or Clemson if Clemson gets back on track. And then a real dark horse team that came to mind for me. I think this one could surprise you, but you might see it coming. Lay it on um, me. One that, that jumped at me and one that I did here, uh, you know, just to be truthfully honest, was Baylor. Baylor? I mean, they kind of made a really crazy turnaround from yet another disastrous coaching situation. Had a very good year. Uh, within the last couple of years, I mean, Aranda seems like a rock, a rising star in the game. Who's to say that they won't do it? You know what I mean? But they're a real dark horse. Um, I would certainly see USC winning one before Baylor. But for me, it's Clemson. Their recruiting has not fallen off that far from where it was when they were winning championships. Yeah. Um, they've got multiple highly talented, talented quarterbacks. If one of those guys can put it together, uh, I'm – Sure, they've still got guys all over the trenches on offense and defense. I mean, yeah. it's Clemson for me. I'm I'm gonna agree with you. Um, I'm gonna agree with you. I I, I think Clemson is my answer. Answer. I think the I think it's kind of like the writing on the wall. I think it's the obvious answer. I want to address the USC um, uh, option real quick. To me, USC this year feels like the first year that LeBron and D Wade. And uh, oh shoot, what, what was his name? The, the other big three guy, Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh. It's like the first year those guys got together. It feels like that. It feels like almost the the first building of the super team. And as you know, those guys didn't win a title in the first year. They needed to figure out each other. And I'm not saying that that's how that translates from basketball, pro basketball to college ball, but that's just what it feels like to me. Everybody's talking about USC, but last time I checked, they, they haven't done a dang thing. Nothing. Uh, they've they've done nothing, um, and especially now that you've got uh, UC USC and UCLA on their way out the door of the Pac-12. If I am a Washington, if I am an Oregon, I'm going to make sure you take an L before you leave. That is this, a great point. I am I am circling you, be like, all right, you want out of here? Let me show you what you're missing. Like, hey, go run for greener pastures. Go, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll probably be right behind you, uh, <laughs> but we're going to send you off with an L. Uh, first but this Baylor thing this really surprises me I do like Aranda Um, we mentioned him as a possible candidate in the last show about um, uh, replacing Saban one day but you know Vegas I'm looking at the Vegas odds here they got Oklahoma State as a better odd than 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 Baylor which um, if I remember right the Big 12 championship came down to these two Oklahoma State and and Baylor but listen if, if I'm a if I'm a if I'm a uh, high school player coming out, getting ready to make a decision, you know, I don't lean towards Baylor whatsoever. But, man, I've got to be thinking about them because I, I love what Aranda is doing. You've got to be compelled uh, by what he's doing. What, yeah. what world would we be living in, though, bro, if the Baylor Bears were, cl- were crowned CFP champions? Like, man, I'm really going to tip my hand for some of our future shows, but – for me, we would be living in paradise. <laughs> that means Alabama didn't win it. Georgia didn't win it. Heck, I hate Ohio State, not nearly as much right. as the first two I mentioned, but right. they didn't win it. 
Um, yes. I mean, we'd be living in paradise, bro. The word parody would be reigning supreme. Oh my gosh. Now I'm going to go buy some Baylor gear or something. I'm rooting for it now. <laughs> it was a dark horse in my mind a minute Sick ago. Sick bears. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pure bliss, just the thought of it. Hey, Siri, play Coldplay? Paradise. <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh, I love that. I love that. Hey, well, let's get back to uh, uh, some Tennessee talk here. So last, last week we brought you some stat projections. We talked uh, in the past. We've talked Jalen Hyatt. We've talked Jabari Small. What, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk just the tight end unit all together uh and instead um we're gonna do this a little bit different we're gonna throw some over unders at you we're gonna lay out a number we'll recap stats real quick mackerel i'll get you to do that here in a second uh and then we'll lay the over under give us the stats real quick for jacob warren and princeton fant uh from last year and then we'll lay the over underline all right let's do it last year warren had 18 receptions 179 yards and three touchdowns and then princeton fant was in the ballpark, 16 receptions, but he did uh, have 40 more yards roughly at 220, uh, but he did just have one touchdown last year. Mm-hmm. So together, those two gave you 34 receptions, 400 yards, and four touchdowns in 2021. Um, not good. I mean – Not good. I, I know it's the tight end position. Um, Warren, three scores. Fant, one score. For you mathematicians out there, that's four scores. Um, I don't like it. No me gusta. Uh, so here's our over underline. We're going to say 45 catches on the year, 550 yards on the year, seven scores on the year. Are they over or are they under? Let's start with receptions first. 45 receptions. 45 receptions. I'm going to go slightly over here. Yep. Uh, I'm going to say no more than probably 48 or 50 for the group. Okay. And I think the reason for that is is because they are good red zone targets. Yes. So I think that's going to take away some of the opportunities from your receivers and possibly your run game. Yes. Um, just early last year, we saw interesting packages for Jacob Warren in the red zone, and yeah. and you know a really interesting jump uh, jump pass from uh, from Hendo to Jacob Warren was one of his three touchdowns last year. Yep. Um, but I'm going to go slightly over the 45 because they could serve as a, a little blanket. If there is, you know, some downtime between when these receivers step up and yeah. come to play, yeah, um, you know, if these receivers come to play day one, they could be right in that same ballpark of last year. But I'm going to say they get just over it. 48 to 50 is really where I'm leaning. Mm-hmm. Uh, just thinking about what they did last year and thinking about the time it could take for these receivers to get up to speed this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm very similar, uh, and everything that I'm about to throw at you right here for these two is is really strictly based off um, their experience at the college level, how long they've been here. Um, they're both, what, fifth-year guys? Uh, uh, yes, I believe so. The, that includes the COVID year. Uh, so for them, I've got 51 um, uh, catches on the year, and uh, so I've got it over there. And then I've also got over on the yards. I've got it at 605, so about 55 uh, more yards than um, uh, than than the than the threshold there. What about you? Yeah, um, that was my initial feeling as well. Was right around six hundred, um, which seems like we coordinated there. But that's we just threw these numbers together. I know uh, before we t- before we uh, started recording, but yeah, I'm in the six hundred ballpark. Uh, I think it could be slightly less because I just Agreed. think the ceiling is that that much higher for the receivers if yes. they were to break out. Yes. Um, but I'm really curious to hear where you're at on our touchdown threshold of seven. 
Um, because I like their uh, experience. Uh, I like these guys as leaders uh, in this locker room, as experienced, knowing what to do, knowing where to be. I like them in the red zone. Um, I got them at 11 scores. So okay. a bump of four. Um, for, or, well, they had four on the year. We, we, we lay the over under at seven, but I'm going, I'm going 11. So um, a handful more. Uh, than last year, which I just have to expect. I mean, we we lost we lost Bayless. Uh, we got some new receivers coming up. Tillman, I expect to really see some double teams and get a lot of respect. I yeah. like these guys in the end zone. Get it to them. Eleven, absolutely. Yeah, and I like the over here as well. Um, you know, what regardless of the yards, um, really, even regardless of where they land on the receptions number, I really like them in the end zone. Specifically, I really like Warren in the red zone. I feel like just Hindo really trusts him. I think uh, Warren and not to say that he doesn't trust Fant, but I think that there's been a connection there from early on. And I think regardless of, you know, how gaudy their numbers are as far as receptions or yards, they're going to get their red zone targets because people are going to know that the jump balls and the corner routes are coming to Tillman, um, you know, so they're going to have to find ways to get creative in the red zone. Mm. Um, and I think that the opportunity is just really there for those tight ends. So I'm going over the seven. Yeah. Um, I could certainly see 10, uh, 8 to 10, but over 7 for sure is my answer on this one. Absolutely. All right, my guy, let's jump into the last uh, segment of today's show. We're going to call it quits. We're going to do something fun here. Uh, we're both going to give our audience one offensive player, one defense player for this upcoming 22 team that we would love to add to this team from sometime in the 2010s. So somebody who has been a Tennessee volunteer, uh, in the past, so that's going to be the Derek Dooley era. That's going to be the Butch Jones era, the Jeremy Pruitt era. Who would we add to this 2022 team uh, first? And because I'm selfish uh, and I'm stingy and I'm already talking, I'm going to make you go first. Okay. If, who are you going to add to the offensive side of the ball uh, over this last decade? Who are you taking? Who are you adding? All right. This is a heart pick. Um, it was the first name that came to mind for me, and I did weigh out some others, and I'd be glad to talk about those as well. Yeah. Uh, but if I've got one spot, one free pass from the 2010s era, I'm adding Trey Smith, man. Ah, oh, yeah. Okay. I knew it. I'm, I I should have guessed before you should have guessed. You went. I, I knew it. I knew it. You should have guessed. Absolutely. Trey Smith, That's. I mean, that's a, that's a great pick because we, we need help on that offensive line. Uh, I think that's a great pick, and all of Vol Nation loves that guy. Um, so happy he landed with the Chiefs. Listen, I wanted to say Trey Smith too, but I really just felt like it was um, – yes, I'm calling your answer a cliche. It uh, is. I, I'll own that. <laughs> it, it's just not as fun. I, want, yeah. I wanted somebody fun. So let me tell you where my head first went. Right, I'm going to give you a couple of names uh, where my head went, and I'll tell you the guy that I landed on. Uh, my head first went to Michael Rivera. Wow. Right. Right. I'm that like, is a, that's out there. I love it. <laughs> like we were, we were talking about, uh, tight end, uh, production, uh, actually went and looked at his numbers. They're not good. Yeah. They're, I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing profound, but he was also lost, um, uh, between Derek Rogers and, and Justin Hunter, um, yeah. and a Tyler Bray, you know, whenever he, he was mentally present. <laughs> um, and then my head went to Justin Hunter. Think about how fun it would be to have Tillman on one side and Justin Hunter, prime Justin Hunter on the other. 
Oh dude, my gosh, dude. We'd be throwing it balls deep. <laughs> we all we would we would be throwing it balls deep every down. I mean, Hendon would have six hundred attempts on the year. Um, it would you know how uh Heard and Kamara had that little nickname for themselves, Thunder and Lightning or whatever. Yeah, uh, and uh, it would, uh, run run CMG or something like that. Yeah, run yeah, yeah whatever they called themselves, yeah. but Thunder and Lightning. It would yeah. be like that because yeah. Tillman he can run past you. Yeah, he can yeah. he can do it, but Hunter's gonna do it. Like yes. he's gonna yes. he's gonna run past you whether you're yes. ready or not. And, and if um, and if and if Hooker is under pressure, it, it's just like it's just like uh when when we were playing South Carolina in 2013, and Justin Worley was like, oh, he's down there somewhere. <laughs> hey man, just sling it. Tillman's yes. down there. Hunter's down there somewhere. <laughs> yes. Out jump him. Uh, and then I was like, you know what? Maybe Dayrick. I mean, Dayrick like. What a what a great third down dude! Oh my gosh, yeah. Physical at the line of scrimmage, like I would be really happy with that. And then I thought, no, yeah. no, 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 no. Okay, I think I think I do want to land a receiver. Then I went, okay, we were talking about Squirrel White. What about Pig Howard? Oh man, that's 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 somebody I didn't even think about. That's a good answer though. I mean, reliable, very reliable. They talking about packages. I mean, they had freaking reverses and yeah. stuff I've never seen in 2014 for him. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Dude, That's a good answer. And, and dude ran like his like his head was on fire. Like he played like if he didn't gain the first down or the line to gain that he was gonna die. He yes. he truly played like his life was on the line. It yes. was beautiful. Yes, yes. And then I went, you know what? It actually needs to be another position. So here's where I landed. All right. Then I went, Jalen Hurd. Just because, just because now he's not my final answer. Um, just because big back how well that would offset for Jabari Small, how fun that would be. I think the obvious answer for a lot of people, they're going to say Alvin Kamara. Yeah, obviously. I just don't <laughs> feel like it's as fun. Um, yeah. uh, so I went Jalen Hurd. I love, love that big body. I mean, I'll never forget Jim McElwain after the 2015 game when we played Florida. Like, thank God that game is over and we don't have to tackle him anymore. Yeah. What a, what a freaking bruiser he was. Uh, and you and I have – um friends who said he just falls forward for yards but i just <laughs> highly disagree and i hope yeah. he's listening to the show right now so he can't even argue back how wrong he is um dude would knock your head off but here's where i landed all right, all right let's hear it i think you're really gonna enjoy this okay hit me give me john kelly oh give me john kelly give me a what john a kelly pick. paired with a jabari small who just come at you like down after down, play after play. Give me a John Kelly who runs pissed off, right? Yeah. Angry, mad, aggressive. Uh, I hated the way he ended his time at Tennessee with the 2017 season. Like, give me one more year, bro. Um, yeah. But at the same time, don't want it with Pruitt. But I would love to see him uh, in this, uh, not only uh, on this team, but in this locker room. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? absolutely give me john kelly so you take trey smith you took the easy out i did take the easy out uh the other guys that came the ones that came to mind for me were hunter um because i do think you know one more like surefire receiver would be so nice yeah um and then cordero cordero patterson came to mind but then i was like eh, he might not care about the playbook you know (laughs) that i couldn't get that thought out of my head um i wanted somebody a little bit more uh that i could trust a little bit more and that's kind of how I got back to Trey Smith because yeah. you know offensive line. I need these guys to take care of my boy Hendo. Absolutely, Trey Smith is is a very obvious pick. Makes a lot of sense in my mind. Let's shift to the other side. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Let's talk defense though. Who are you going to take? 
Are you gonna let me guess this time? Actually, yes. Go ahead and guess for me. I'm gonna guess your pick, and I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that you said Derek Barnett. So he's on my short list for sure. Oh, he's on the short list. Okay. Yeah. Um, which my short list is only two here. So feel free to take <laughs> another stab. That's an extremely short list. Um, <laughs> um, I don't know. I was really sold on you having uh, Derek Barnett. Let's throw out a random name just for funsies. Uh, Corey Vereen. Nope, 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 not, not Corey Vereen. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, give it to me. Who who was the one? Who were who's the one that you didn't pick? And then and give me the guy you landed on. Derek Barnett is the one that I didn't pick. Oh, okay, all right. Which all is right. crazy. I mean, I can't believe I'm even saying this. Um, but yet again, I want someone that I can trust, which you can certainly trust Derek Barnett. Oh, my but gosh. I feel like we need it a little bit more in the secondary. If Ooh. that opens your eyes up a little bit more. Okay. Uh, and with that said, I think I'm I got it. Cam Sutton. I knew it. Cam Sutton. Yeah. Yep. Cam, Cam Sutton, man. Sutton. I mean, talk about a guy that was baiting quarterbacks in like his second game of his college career. I mean, absolutely. You know, not that I not that I wouldn't want Barnett. I mean, goodness gracious. This is yes. really me trying not to take the easy answer here because <laughs> Barnett, I mean, he broke the minister's records. I mean, he yes. broke Reggie Watts records. Yes. Yes. So yeah, give me Derek Barnett if I can uh, take two. Oh, absolutely. Well, listen, but, I, I, you put a Cam Sutton on this team and this this defense, I feel so much better about this defense. So much better. I yeah. really, really do. Um I feel like you can kind of disguise one corner, both. Ugh, like I, I don't feel good about yeah. this. So you put a cam setting out there. I'm like, okay, let's roll. Let's he, roll. He's got, he's a guy who's going to buy that defensive line time to get to the quarterback. Absolutely. So what is he going to do? All right. So uh, for me, I had a short list as well, and Cam Sutton is is on that list. Okay. I wrote down Cam Sutton. Uh, I wrote down Derek Barnett, but again, Derek Barnett just just seemed like uh, a cliche answer. But yeah. They, but again, he's like Cam Sutton. You put him on this defense, game changer. Oh, absolutely. Game changing. I'm feeling so good, right? I'm feeling I mean, so good. Whoever's on the other side, you can add five sacks to your projection for them for sure. Five, five to seven more sacks for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Tyler Tyler Barron has a has a has a has a year, right? Yes, he does. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh another guy on my short list. Tell me what you think about this. Daniel Batuli. Man, talk about a guy that would easily rack up 17 or 20 tackles if the game came his way yep i mean dude he was he was a very smart player he was seemingly always in the right spot even when our defenses were bad or you know we're putting really bad situations he was a really a really bright spot yes and you know i can't believe that my shortlist didn't even include a linebacker um and and really i was asking myself like who did i leave off because barnett and sutton came to my mind so quick i'm like yeah, you know, I don't know who I'm leaving off, but these are my guys. If yeah. I'm adding one, yeah. So, Batuli, I think, is a great answer. A, a really, if you rank the linebackers from the 2010s on, he's got to be really, really high on that list. I mean, top three probably uh, as far as what guys did. So, I mean, that's a good answer. I'd kill to have him right now. I'd kill to have him right now. But he's not my guy. Do you? Okay, okay. so you know it's not Barnett. You know it's not Sutton. You know it's not Batuli. Do you want to take a? You want to take a guess here? Man, I would, well, I'll tell you this. I would have never guessed John Kelly, and something tells me I'm probably not going to guess your defender either, so <laughs> I'm going to chicken out on that. Okay. He's, okay, he's taking the high road. Give me, drum roll please, but in the down, Jalen Reeves-Maven. Oh, 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 man. I like Reeves-Maven for one reason and one reason alone. 
Dude was a dog. He sure was. It was a freaking dog. Um, he sure was. Making plays in the backfield against Oklahoma. Um, uh, good in pass coverage. A freaking – wherever the ball was, that's where Reeves Maben was. You're going to find him there with it. Give me Jalen Reeves Maben. That's an incredible answer. I love it. And I, I love would take him in a heartbeat. He's from Tennessee. Like, I mean, uh, he's he is one of the ideal Tennessee volunteers for me. I would I would take him back in a heartbeat. I love his versatility. He can play. Uh, he can he can pursue the quarterback. He can drop back in coverage. He can do so many different things. Absolutely, uh, I like his ability to spy in this current world of college football. Um, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Reeves Maven. Um, and and I don't feel bad about it. No, that's a great answer. I mean, again, I think if you add probably any of these guys, I feel a whole lot better about predicting Tennessee's win-loss record and the outcomes this year. But Jalen Rees-Maben in a thin linebacker group, I'll take that all day. So, Absolutely. yeah, great answer. All right, so let, let's let's do something real quick before we hop off here. Let's take your two answers, uh, which remind the audience real quick who you had. We got Trey Smith and we got Cameron Sutton. All right, so we add Trey Smith and we add Cameron Sutton to this team. Does that change? If so, uh, what does it change into the overall record projection for this year? Does Tennessee go 12-0, and 10-2? How does it change? Well, whereas I was at 8-4 and four previously when we did this, when we did our predi- uh, predictions for this year, I'm feeling really good about nine. And for those guys that are throwing out the possibility of 10 wins, only losing to Alabama, Georgia, what have you, I'm seeing myself in that conversation. If you've got, you know, Cam Sutton and Trey Smith, I mean, just two studs. I mean, yes. two studs. Not yes. that even Trey is even as bad as a, at a position of need as Sutton or, you know, some of the other positions on offense. But yep. give me those guys. I'm really liking nine and three. I mean, you can't convince me that we're losing four games if we have oh, those two. Absolutely. And then 10 and two seems a whole lot more feasible if we have yeah. those guys on this year's team. Yeah. I think nine and three is all but guaranteed, but I still, I still, still, still do not like our odds to beat Bama or Georgia. Same. I think that's Same. fair. All right. We add John Kelly and we add Jalen Reeves Maven to this squad, not in addition to Cam and Trey uh, separately. What record are we staring at? I'm feeling, you know, more like nine and three than I am 10 and two still again. Uh, but I mean, just just Jalen Reeves, Maven, man, what he would add, you know, to a team that is short on linebackers, mm-hmm. um, at least on proven linebackers, um, and then John Kelly, I mean, he's going to bring the best out of those other running backs. You Absolutely. Know, you, when you see the way he plays, you're going to want to play like that. And honestly, I mean, Jabari Small kind of did play like that earlier in his career, and I think he's totally capable of it. You know, he's got a little bit more agility, maybe, whereas. Kelly would want to run through you some, but I'm feeling nine and, you know, I'm, I'm trickling into the 10 and two territory there again. Yeah. I, I feel the same way about, about uh, the overall record. As I said, with yours, I, I think nine and three is looking really good. I think 10 and two is, is the ceiling still don't think it's good enough to beat Bama or Georgia. I don't think you could add Cam Sutton, Trey Smith, uh, Reeves Maven uh, and John Kelly and still beat Bama or Georgia. Yeah, I just we are just so far off and away from those guys. Uh, we would need to add several more, several, several more. Yeah, so. and it's it's not that I don't like our staff. It's not that I don't like our players. It's just the number of players, the competition that they've been practicing against, the time they've been on campus. 
and playing against for that matter. Yep. Um, you know, really, we need to just we need to build that upper echelon of talent like we've got in our probably our starting 22. Um, but that takes time, you know, absolutely. The previous regime did bring us bring us in some good players. And I like a lot of our recruits so far. But mm-hmm. even in a transfer portal world, it takes time to build quality absolutely. depth, especially especially in the SEC and especially as far down as Tennessee was, yep. you know. Yep. Beginning of last year and, and throughout the process as far as scholarship numbers and things like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, that's good stuff today, man. I felt like we had a, a great episode, a great show. Uh, thanks for hanging out with me, man. I love doing this with you. You're you're more than a pretty face. I don't care hey, what your wife says. Right about back you. at you. Right <laughs> back at you. This is a lot of fun. Hey, this is episode three of Pandemonium Reigns. You can follow us on TikToks, on the Instagrams, on the tweeters. You can check us out on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and Pandora is still waiting uh, to approve us, but we should be on there any day now. Uh, but we love you guys, and we're so glad that you're listening to us. Thanks for hopping in. Um, make sure you click those follow buttons, those subscribe buttons. Make sure you tell your friends, tell your friends' mamas, tell your friends' dogs, tell all the people in your world about Pandemonium Reigns and tell them that we talk more than just Tennessee, even though today's show, Mike, is a lot of ball stuff. Yeah, it sure um, was. I mean, heck, we had a Baylor reference and we still talked like 99.99% Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. Oh, those Baylor bears. Hey, Baylor, go win us a national title. This is Pandemonium Reigns. I'm Dan. He's Mike. See you guys. We love you guys. We out. Pandemonium Reigns.